Hey, it's Greg. Thanks for checking out Toronto today for November the 2nd. So the clock keeps ticking for QP and the province to get a deal done before there's tens of thousands of students out of school. Not just where you live, where I live, but where anybody in Ontario lives. Can they get it done? Some of the rhetoric needs to be toned down. The water temperature needs to come down. My thoughts on it here on Toronto Today. Okay. I don't know that today is the day, but I woke up feeling a little bit differently, feeling not optimism, but not all doom and gloom about whether schools will be closed on Friday. I'm going to tell you, I think today has to be the day. I don't think anything can get done tomorrow. I think heels get dug in more. I think plans have to be made for childcare. Grandparents have to be called. Neighbors have to be deputized. And I still don't know what I'm going to do in my own household where I'm going to be like, take the damn day off or be respectful of the teachers that have to teach online and uh, give you, you know, an assignment, do the assignment, then go outside and play. Friday's going to be a beautiful weather day. Who doesn't love a three-day weekend? And if you're a teenager, uh, you love it even more. Uh, you've got. <laughs> I keep telling, I, I don't do it that often, but I tell my kids, look, someday you'll have more responsibility than you have right now. So enjoy what life is. Enjoy what it brings. Enjoy ups and downs as well, um, because they they really they, they you know they make you feel alive sometimes. But I have some sense of optimism that if it's going to happen, it's going to happen today. And I don't know who buckles first, and that's the problem. Sometimes you just want to come to terms. No one cares about wins and losses at this point. No one's going to say, well, the union gave in or the province caved. They'll both have to acquiesce to some extent. But the idea is there are negotiators ready to go this morning. A mediator is on hand. And can they get discussions going again? Is it worth trying to restart the car engine before you junk it for Friday and say, throw your arms up in the air and say, we're further apart than we've ever been? Because they're not. They're not further apart than they've ever been. As you just heard Dave mention, there is potential with a uh, late night offer last night from the union towards the Ford government for some form of reconciliation here. I'm not telling you I think it's going to happen. I'm just telling you this is the only day it can potentially happen. Hey, some of the rhetoric, though, doesn't help the process. And this is the one thing that people have suggested. Okay, we've had many people on our show over the last couple of weeks about this. Stephen Lecce was on almost two weeks ago. Laura Walton was on two days ago. And it does not help when things are negotiated through the media. We had Laura Walton tell me two days ago, no, we're not asking for 11.7%. That's not, that's not accurate. It's not a percentage we're asking. We're asking for a flat rate. No, I know, but it will work out to a person. Everything is a percentage of something. If I decide to give you a $7 raise, you make $15, I'm like, you're great at what you do. How's $22 an hour? You got a percentage more than you were getting. And we could use a calculator and simply add up that number. So it it is not right to say there isn't a percentage involved. Stephen Lecce made this point about the math and the part-time employees for QP in Queens Park yesterday. He made the point that the number being utilized didn't count the part-time employees. Now, in fairness, when we had Laura Walton on two days ago, I said, how many part-time employees do you have in, the, in your 55,000 strong QP members? And she said between ten and $12,000, 10 and 12,000 people. But she didn't know the number three weeks ago. And I'm thinking, you're president of the union. You probably know how many workers are part-time. But she has that data available now. Lecce made this point yesterday, and, and, and I think it landed. 
The average compensation package for an education worker in Ontario is $49,000. The number cited is $39,000 because the union used part-time workers to draw down the average. Let's let's not, Speaker. Let's let's not treat the people of this province Order. like idiots. Okay. Yeah. It's a strong statement right there from the education minister. Let's not treat the people of this province like idiots. But it has been pointed out. Not all jobs are the same. And and even when we average out teacher salaries, that gets very, you get very into the weeds and it gets a little foggy as to who makes what because there's seniority involved. There's department head, heads involved. We're talking about uh, teachers who obviously scale back and maybe are taking um, a, a sabbatical and they're paid a different amount than when they're actually in the classroom. I've seen this in my own household. My dad took a sabbatical to get his doctorate for a couple of years and he still got his teacher's salary, but it wasn't exactly the same amount. Does he count or does he not? And I don't know the answer. I'm just saying education isn't equitable when it comes to just throwing in an average salary. But here's where the union may be galvanized. And I don't know that I'm misreading this, but when the notwithstanding clause gets invoked by the province, and I'll let you know what Justin Trudeau and Pierre Polyev said about that in just a minute, I thought one of two things will happen. And my feel yesterday on the show from hearing from people and immediately after the show in conversations that where teachers and educators reached out, early childhood educators, custodians as well. There's some texts and DMs I want to read on the show this morning that I think really tell you where it's at um, on the battlefield and, and on the ground floor. But did it galvanize the union and the union members to say, we're going full twisted sister. We're not going to take it. Or did it scare people to think, I voted to participate in a legal strike, not an illegal one. I don't want a $4,000 fine. I don't know whether that is going to be the case or not. I don't know whether people are going to be scared to even go out and demonstrate on Friday, two days from now. Here's what Mark Han, a union president, said at their QP rally yesterday. You know, I've been around a long time. We have 2,000 locals bargained with over 4,000 employers across this country. And this is the first time that this type of legislation is being used. We've seen workers uh, legislated back during a strike. We've seen workers uh, negotiate or forced to take a collective agreement through uh, legislation. But never have we seen the notwithstanding clause used, which is trampling over workers' rights and our human rights. And, and that's why I'm here today with all these people to send a loud message to this government that it's not appropriate, it's not acceptable, and we're not going to take it. That's Mark Han, a union president for CUPE. Now, I had a early childhood educator um, get in touch with me, and I said, okay, let's have a conversation about this. And here's what she wrote me. She lives way east of me in Durham Region. She wrote, we want to believe in leadership, and all we've heard is about the crap deal we got in 2019 and are negotiating now for us uh, and pushing us into a strike Friday are the same people who got us the deal they think is crappy. It's depressing. Now, deals had to be struck quickly with COVID. People wanted job security, but exactly that. Okay, so let's be perfectly fair about the fact that if QP's deal is so terrible, their membership and their leadership should say so and say, we kind of move too quickly. We need a much better deal here. Now, you're asking yourself, can the federal uh, politicians help in this process? You probably know the answer already. They can't. Pierre Polyev and Justin Trudeau debated this in the House of Commons yesterday. Polyev started talking about cost of living. Justin Trudeau flipped the script to talk about criticism of the notwithstanding clause in only the province of Ontario. But Mr. Speaker, I'm also astonished to hear that the leader of the opposition has been silent uh, on the matter of the use of the notwithstanding clause preemptively to suspend people's fundamental rights and freedoms. I call on the leader of the opposition to stand up for workers' rights, to defend people's rights and freedoms 
and condemn the preemptive use of the notwithstanding clause to suspend workers' rights. Okay, I know what he's doing. I think the kids call that trolling. That's how I feel about that. Here's more of that exchange between Polyev and Trudeau. No one has done more to attack workers' rights than the Prime Minister who eats up their paychecks with 40-year highs in inflation. $54 million for the Arrive Scam app, an app we didn't need, that didn't work, that sent 10,000 people wrongly into quarantine, and that could have been designed for a quarter million dollars in a weekend, but took $54 million instead. Some of the companies the Prime Minister said got the money said they never received it. It's time for the truth. Will the Prime Minister support our motion to call in the auditors? Oh, my gosh. Okay, I know all those are important issues. Arrive can, the economy, the price of goods and whatnot, but they were talking about the notwithstanding clause. Can you stay focused, gentlemen? Apparently not. 615, this gets solved from inside Ontario. I know we're learning, by the way, at the the uh, Emergencies Act inquiry that Ottawa is actually in Ontario, but don't look to the feds for help on this one. 